0: Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and
1: laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 84 of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe DiMeo. And the lockout rolls on, and so do we. We are not taking breaks. We are knocking out shows, and we have a fun one planned for you today. As always, we'll intro with what is going on between Major League Baseball and the Players Union. I think that would only be fair to start with what's the most topical thing in baseball. But... I don't think we'll spend as much time on that as we typically have as the stalemate continues, but there is an interesting nugget on today's show that Joe and I are wondering how Steve Cohen might play into one of the main topics that both sides are haggling over. We're going to do an update on the college arms for the MLB draft in baseball and how that might impact the Mets. We've had some early injuries, unfortunately, this season. And then, as always... We're going to answer your questions. It's always a mailbag time on the That's So Mets pod. Looks like we got at least four good ones for you today. So, Joe, let's bring you in. Man, I would love to be talking about the hot stove, the offseason spring training games right after that. It might coincide this year if this thing ever gets wrapped up, but we are still waiting for baseball to return
2: man the wait the wait continues but who knows maybe they're making some positive traction as we record just just before 5 p.m. here on tuesday uh, today is another one of their air quote deadlines that if you don't do this today means. yeah whatever their deadlines mean but it's yeah it, we're we're going to see we're going to see probably at some point here soon you know what the result of today's meetings were I don't expect an agreement today, uh, but I think it's a good sign that we haven't seen leaks of kind of crapping on MLB's offer or whatever. So it at least sounds like there's at least a chance that they're having, you know, real discussions. And, uh, you know, the deadline thing is definitely funny because think about it. This time last week, the first six games were canceled, done, can't make them up. Well, now MLB says if you make a deal today on March 8th, we could still do 162. We could take those those six games, put them in the back or do a double headers or whatever you want to do. And if you don't want a deal today, then we have to cancel six more games. So if that doesn't happen, we're just next week. So next Tuesday, we'll be talking if there's not a deal and it'll be. All right. Well, MLB says if you take a deal today, we'll only miss six games instead of 12. But if you don't take this deal, we'll miss uh, what six, times eight, 18 games. So it feels like they're just going to operate like a week either way. So the, the deadlines are all fake and it, it's uh, it's definitely funny to see how they're doing it. But I'm over it and, you know, ready to ready to get baseball back
0: yeah we know this is the negotiating ploys you know they come out with this harsh statement they're canceling the first two series of the season or you know that's a manfred does and now it's like they go just kidding we actually can still play these games and uh but you have to get the deal done now or else we'll continue to cancel more games and of course there are holes in the schedule whether you want to I don't really think there's a, a an easy way to do this, but you can condense the all-star break if you needed to do that. Maybe add a day on the back end or start back early. Um, obviously, the old double header trick. There are ways to do it. I just think that time is not on anyone's side right now. And both of these sides have proven to you, if you need any more proof, that they are very, very stubborn. So as we sit here today, we are hoping that they can finally meet in the middle on key issues, and one of those things that it's in almost every tweet at this point about the CBA negotiations is the luxury tax number. This is something that it felt like both sides have been really far apart on. the The league has, you know, really this has been fronted by uh, the cheap owners of the league, which there are many. The league, in the long story short either wants to put severe penalties on the luxury tax in future years, essentially making it a salary cap or on the flip side, significantly keeping the number significantly low that, you know, it'll scare off some other teams and the players want that number to be high. So teams spend more and they want the teams that'll always be willing to go over it. Like the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, they don't want them to be penalized if they do go over it. So you don't lose those teams spending an extra 50 to $80 million a year. That once again, goes back to the players. So these are the hardcore negotiations going on. And Joe, you and I have talked about this a lot. It is fascinating. If you are a Mets fan or really just a fan of the game, it feels like there is a Steve Cohen element here. And obviously Cohen is not alone. I think we know that, but what is your take on, this being maybe the most or one of the most key things of the stalemate negotiations, and how a new MLB owner, one that was not a consensus vote, um, there were guys that voted against him, plays into this.
2: i I thought of this all day, very creative. Um, I think they might want to rename the competitive ballots tax, which is the CBT, to the s c t, the Steve Cohen tax. That's what it that's what certainly what it's seeming like with the way they're operating. And, you know, I do wonder if there is some correlation. Obviously, there's no way for me to know for sure. One thing that we can say is that four four owners have said that they do not want to go up at the luxury tax number at all. And three of those four were teams that voted against Steve Cohen getting ownership. What a shock. So um, one of them is the Angels, which I find kind of interesting because they – they spend some money like they're not they're not a basement dweller i mean mike trout has big money rendon got big money like they'll spend when they spend but what's really crazy to me and kind of what i'm starting to wonder i don't even know if the battle over the luxury tax threshold at this point is owners versus players i think it's owners versus owners i agree almost at this point like i don't think the players element is as big a deal i I mean, you look at this. So I was watching MLB network and I took a picture of my TV this morning. You mean to tell me with the way that the CBT penalties were uh, prior to right now, which is, you know, you get tax money, but if you go over three years in a row, you know, the penalties just get worse and worse. And that led to us often talking about how the Mets were planning, you know, for two years over one year under and, and so on and so forth. But even with those penalties, which really weren't severe, it was mostly monetary unless you went over three times in a row. The amount of teams that have gone over, and I'm going to read you the, the last few years, shows that even with those level of penalties, teams treated it like a salary cap. If you increase the penalties, it's going to be even more so. Teams are going to stay away like the plague from the CBT number. So in 2017 there was five teams that exceeded the $195 million CBT threshold. In 2018, there were two teams that exceeded the $197 million CBT threshold. In 2019, there were three teams that exceeded the $206 million CBT threshold. And in 2021, because they didn't do it in 2020 with the shortened season, only two teams exceeded the $210 million CBT threshold. So. Teams were treating it like a cap then. If you're going to add more to it, whether that's dra- draft capital ultimately is I think what's going to be. If, they're, if, if they are adding draft capital as a part of the penalty for going over the CBT, you're going to see nobody basically ever go over it. Thus, it becomes a salary cap. So the players need to hold firm on the penalties being unchanged. And I frankly think the owners are making a bigger deal out of something than what needs to be. We're talking about two teams, three teams, two teams. Those are the amount of teams that are going over. You're It's you really man. You're, you're going to hold up a collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, the players have to give a little bit too. There's no question. I think, you know, that's all part of the whole equation. But when it comes to just the CBT, is it really worth all the trouble that's happening right now? I mean... Not even close for but, for two teams, three teams on a high on a high end. Let's say five teams like five out five out of 30. Like you need to have all these distinct rules for five. That's going to ruin the competitive balance of baseball. I don't know about that. Yeah,
0: I I think that it almost feels personal. and And tell me if I'm off base here, Joe, but it almost feels personal that. They see this guy come into the league, which, like you said, three of them voted against him. That is a big deal. OK, that's a really big deal that you see this guy come into the league. He played nice year one, which was a really nice decoy. And he came out like a madman this year and was not done. It just ran out of time. We know the Mets are coming out firing when this thing ends in a way that is reminiscent of the old school New York Yankees and these guys don't like that and they don't like that Cohen is on Twitter and is brash and is you know kind of a shark and and wants to win they're afraid of that dude they're afraid of that and don't get me wrong there are also people in this that you know it's it is the the major leagues this is that you know obviously the owners that are collectively fighting this tax situation but I agree with you that there's definitely some kind of civil war there. And this has been a hot, this has been one of the hottest issues of the entire negotiations.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say if it's literally pointed towards Steve Cohen, but I'll say this. He factors in, he factors in, no question. And it's a little peculiar, I would say, that they didn't pursue the Dodgers like this while they've spent more than everybody for like a decade now. They've gone absolutely crazy. Like, Way higher than everyone else. No one pursued the Yankees early on, like when the CBT was first going on and George Steinbrenner was, you know, buying championships, quote unquote. Like they didn't seem like it feels like the issue is now. So it's definitely a peculiar thing. And there's no question that to me, the CBT is what's is what truly stands between baseball coming back or not. Because once the CBT is settled, like the pre-arbitration pool. I don't think I don't think I don't think that's as huge a deal like you see 80 million versus 30 million. Uh, I did ask Andy Martino today and he he didn't get back to me, but uh, on Twitter, of course, but he didn't get back to me. And uh, I don't know. I know that there was some discussion like one side was doing that pool for 150 players and the other was doing 30 players. And I thought one side budged the other way. Like so that kind of stuff like that's nominal money in the scheme of things uh then the minimum salary tw- right now MLB is at 700,000 and MLBPA is at 725 which if you extrapolate that across like 60% of rosters on average are minimum players you're looking at i don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars difference in, pay- in payroll realistically between the two proposals so the funny thing is as far away as we seem from a just pure dollar and cents thing we aren't actually that far apart it's just it's the stubbornness of both sides and no one wanting to cave but the reality is if you're just looking at dollars and cents they're not far away from figuring this thing out It's just who's willing to i guess let up on some of their stubbornness a little bit
0: yeah i I, yeah and That's why we're at this point of the stare down. So here we are. And I say it every week. I hope this is the last pod that we are, you know, not talking about the offseason moves and and the CBA, but that that's our roundup this week. That's where it stands. And until that gets solved, uh, they're not going to be able to agree. All right. So let's get into a little bit more of the fun stuff here. Joe, I know you've had more attention than ever on college baseball. This year, and you're always ahead of the game for the draft. That's nothing new. I, I want to hear a little bit of an update from you. There's been, unfortunately, just so many injuries to these college arms. And I remember one because we did the pod last year. I'd say this is episode 84. Maybe we've been going for a while now. I remember this last year. We had about two to three big ones early on that were potential top 25 picks. Um, so what's the latest in that? Because obviously there's a Mets impact here where they are going to be looking for Impact arms in the draft where they do have two top 20 picks this year.
2: Yeah, last year it was it was Gunnar Hoagland from Ole Miss and Jaden Hill from Jayden LSU. Hill. That was the one yeah. I didn't think of. Yep. Ho- Hoagland ended up going in the first round to Toronto, I think, and Jaden Hill went in the second to Colorado. Uh but yeah, this year, I mean, even going, going into the college season this year, it it wasn't considered to be the strongest of college arms, uh, Classes, but there's definitely first round talent here. However, injury has struck going back to last year a little bit. Uh, so last year you had Connor Prelip from Alabama, Tommy John surgery. He should be healthy around draft time. So like he he might be the least impacted by the injury because he's going to be coming back. Uh, you also had Reggie Crawford from UConn underwent Tommy John surgery. Now we fast forward to this spring. Uh Peyton Paulette from Arkansas, Tommy John surgery. Blade Tidwell from Tennessee, shoulder stiffness, hasn't pitched yet, no timeline for him to come back. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Blade. Uh, and now, as of this weekend, Landon Sims uh, from Mississippi State, who we've talked about on this a show. A lot. Yeah, man, we've talked about, talked about a, lot. a lot. And he was starting against uh, Southeast Louisiana, I believe, and dominating. He struck out 10 of the first 11 batters, and on his 10th strikeout, all of a sudden you see him doing the handshake, which isn't a good sign. Calls for the trainer. Trainer comes out. They talk for a minute. He goes in a dugout and buries his, his head in his jersey. Um, we're still waiting on MRI results, but Will Clark, uh, former Giants player but uh, also Mississippi State alum, who does the radio broadcast for Mississippi state uh talked to Landon and said that Landon told him that he felt a pop in his arm and a little bit of tingly in his hand and i again you know we'll see make sure the mRI is right, but that is that is the that is the sign of a torn u c l if I've ever heard of one um so hopefully that's not the case, but it sounds like there's at least a reasonable shot that we are you know, we're gonna lose Landon Sims to potentially Tommy John surgery. And Adam Meyer from Oregon, who was making who was jumping up boards. I mean, this is a guy that's more top 50 than you know, top 10, but he was he was trending upwards, especially with all the injuries that I just mentioned. And, you know, that doesn't even mention the questions around Kamar Rocker, which is a conversation for another day. But Adam Meyer left his start with forearm tightness. So we'll kind of see what happens there, but man, this is a, co- a class that coming into the spring, I was like, there's a good chance the Mets will use one of their first two picks on a college arm because like you said, they, they want to add to the pitching in their system. Now, man, I, I think the question now is how many high school arms get drafted before the first college arm? I mean, there's, there's not a standout first round college arm. Like the best right now, if you're, if you're not drafting one of the injured guys, Uh, It's Hunter Barco from Florida. It's Gabe Hughes from Gonzaga. Kumar Uh, Rocker. Kumar Rocker. Like, yeah, I mean, there's not much. Uh, Carson Wisenhunt is a guy from uh, East Carolina who has a lot of talent, but he's been suspended for violating team rules. And our guy, Joe Doyle from Prospects Live said on their stream this weekend that he doesn't think Carson Wisenhunt's going to pitch this year because of what he did. So no idea what he did, but whether it's injury, whether it's suspension, this college pitching class is falling apart at the seams. No pun intended. That was a good one.
0: Um, No, when you look at it too, even if he did come back and pitch, then you got to do your digging of character concerns that obviously could take him out of the first round. So there's just a lot there. It's disappointing. It's not good for a year that the Mets do have these top picks. And there was a lot of excitement coming into the year, but I mean, I mean, I look at the show and just think, okay, just in my opinion, take high school arms then. And right. I, I know they're thin at immediate help. Like there's really nobody in the pipeline that, you know, maybe gin, But there's really not a lot of guys in the pipeline that are coming up to mm-hmm. the Big League Club anytime soon. But right. I think at that point, you just got to go, okay, we're going to spend a lot of money on veteran arms for a while. And we'd rather have the talent at the lower levels of the minors anyway, then.
2: I think they're they're going to get some high school arms in here. Will they do it in the first round? I mean, it's it's certainly possible. I don't think I don't think you should be ruling that out. What I will say is it'll be the first time in a long time. I, I think I've said it on this show, but I've sure. certainly told you I've certainly told you in private. The last time the Mets used a true first round pick on a high school arm was Scott Casmier in 2002. They just it, it is a risky profile. The high school arm has yeah, the, what's the thought okay. process with that trend? It really has the most variance as far as end result. I mean, ultimately what you want to do is draft the profile that gives you the highest success rate of getting a major leaguer. I believe that's the general thought process is high school bats tend to translate pretty well. College bats and college arms, those are obviously the safest because you really know what they are. College, uh, high school arms, you you see so much variety. Like, uh, You could just go back a few years and just look at high school arms taking the top 10, and I was, pro- I was probably excited about their potential, and they just completely flame out. Uh, you, just, you just see it more often with high school arms than anything else. So I think that's probably a big driver of the decision. But this year, man, there's high school arms that I'm super excited about that are going to be presumably available in the range of the 11th and 14th pick. Let's assume Dylan Lesko who's the best pitcher in the class is not going to be available. Let's assume he he goes top five, top eight, something like that. Um, you look at someone like Jackson Ferris from the IMG Academy uh, in Florida. You look at Brandon Barriera from Florida. You look at Brock Porter. Uh, there's There's guys that they can take in that range that make a ton of sense that are, you know, in the case of Barriera, he's a lefty that's up to 98. A guy like Brock Porter who – is a big tall righty who will touch 101, uh, or at least he is down at Cressy, uh, because he's training, he's he's from more no, from more north, so his baseball season hasn't started yet. So they're uh, he's training down at Cressy's and he and he touched 101 there. And a guy like Jackson Ferris, who's more up to 95, but he's a control artist, and they're super intriguing high school arms that I think are very, very worthy of being taken at 11 or 14. It's just a matter of. Do the Mets do that or do they conversely grab two hitters at 11 and 14 one, maybe under slot. And then they just load up on the high school depth because I can rally off names for a second and third round, you know, Andrew Dutkinich Ian Ritchie, Walter Ford, guys like that, that you could potentially land in the second round or third round or the comp- one, the compensatory picks. And, you know, you can grab one of those guys and, you know, continue to load up on your pitching that way. So it's going to be a very interesting strategy uh, how the Mets go about it. But they have they have options galore because they're going to have six top one hundred picks probably, assuming Michael Conforto signs elsewhere.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of ammo to do damage. And this is a time where, good lord, do they need it? I mean, they yeah. need to restock this thing. They know they need to restock this thing. They've been very vocal and honest about it. So,
2: oh, and don't don't rule out one of these injured college pitchers outside of the first round. They did it with JT Ginn uh two years ago. So don't, you know, don't rule out, you know, any of the names that I listed at, at the top of this segment. If they fall to the second round, don't be utterly shocked if you see the Mets pull the trigger on one of them.
0: Especially with the flexibility they'll have with their their money
2: pool, right? Exactly. Of exactly. All the picks. Yeah, it yeah, allows them
0: to get more creative. We saw with the Pirates last year.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. The pirates. I mean, they went well under slot at number one overall, which man, I I get it, but that's just not the way I would do it.
0: I would never do that at number one overall. I like it with the other
2: picks. Yeah, right. Exactly. But number one, they went way under and they were able to obviously go crazy and they they had a fantastic draft class. Um, But the Mets are going to have that flexibility. They don't, they don't even have to go crazy under slot because on average, almost every first round pick is going to be slot or below. Like it's definitely over 75, 80% of the first round are our slot or below. So you're going to probably do at least one under slot. Having the extra picks means the Mets don't have to do like a, a, a haircut, which is the term that they use. But, you know, you don't have to do a huge cut on the on the bonus pool for, you know, pick 11. But if you can save a little bit, that only increases your flexibility in, in the subsequent rounds.
0: All right, and as always we are going to be all over the draft this year even when there's this like giant tidal wave of baseball back signings, spring training games, when we get closer to the draft over summer we are going to be breaking down it'll probably be a segment on the show honestly. I would say for quite a few weeks of different scenarios of how they could use these picks and not many better than you Joe to break that down. So good time to get familiar with some of the top names and obviously the the arms is definitely something the Mets Need to be all over. Let's get into this week's mailbag and props to you guys, because somehow you keep coming up with questions and they're good questions. They're good questions. I don't know how during this lockout we've been able to sustain this, probably because of this mailbag. First one is from Sinister Basis. When the season eventually returns, will spring training happen in Port St. Lucie? What happens to the minor league team that plays there if spring training is happening during the minor league season? Joe, I know you've asked around about, uh, around about this exact issue. What have you heard?
2: Yeah, it's actually funny this question came across because I randomly thought of this exact thing like three days ago, and I texted someone not with the Mets, with another organization, and asked essentially this. You know, if minor league baseball, is, I'm sorry, if spring training is happening in April, well, so is minor league baseball. And I'm pretty sure every organization's spring training facility is also the home to their A-ball affiliate, at least most, if not all. And the answer I got was that, you know, that stuff is still being worked out. But the guess would be if they're, you know, they would try to work as best as they could with the minor league team schedule. But if, say, it's a a Saturday and the St. Lucie Mets play at 1 o'clock and the Mets face the Marlins at 1 o'clock on the spring training schedule, then the minor league game would probably end up happening in the backfields and the Mets would go to Clover Park and play their spring training game. So that's kind of what it seems like. And on on days where, uh, you know, during the week, the minor leagues basically only play at night during the week. So those games would be fine. They would be able to stay at the park because the Mets would play their spring train game during the day. And then they'd get out of there and they would just set up the field. And it's as if they're doing a doubleheader just – with the big league team versus the minor league team. So I believe that's how it it will work. I think there's still things to be worked out, but the expectation would be you know, they would have it in St. Lucie and the Mets would play all their games at the field that you see when you watch spring training games. And if there's any um, issues with scheduling where them and the St. Lucie Mets have a game at the same time, the St. Lucie Mets would uh, probably get booted to the backfields.
0: Thanks for them, but it 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 makes a lot of sense in that format, yeah. you know. That's and real just, yeah.
2: and realistically, we're talking about a couple games because during the week they basically won't align at all. And whenever they eventually have spring training, it's going to be less than a month long. It's going to be like three weeks. So you know, we're talking about you know maybe two or three games tops where you're actually affected because you know they could play at the same time, but St. Lucie could be on the road in. Tampa or whatever, you know, Mm. some other, or Fort Myers, you know, some other location where they're not even home. So it doesn't make a difference. Smart people can make this work. Yeah. They, they, they make a lot of money to figure this stuff out, but that's my, that's kind of the best answer I could give you. But it was a good question. That's something that I randomly asked about. So I figured let's throw it in the show and give a little insight.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you did. I had been wondering about this in the back of my head, if they would just have to do spring training literally at like City Field and try to, you know, scrimmage with the Yankees, that whole kind of thing. Um, But the only person that I've talked to about this, they expect um, the teams to go down to their traditional sites. And I know you are really plugged in about this. It sounds like you have definitely heard much of the same, although discussing the scheduling conflict is a, a very interesting element to it. All right. The next one is from Nick O'Brien who asked this quite literally just came out, but how do you feel about the new Apple TV partnership that just got announced? So I'm going to be honest and Joe, have you heard about this or read about yeah. this? Yes. It, for those listening that don't know, here's the gist. Basically the MLB announced it. incredible timing. Let me just make this clear. Incredible timing uh, to start this week off. Their major league baseball's newest TV partner is Apple. Uh, You know, for those of you uh, that obviously use streaming services, Apple TV is a popular streaming service. It's where you can watch Ted Lasso. the the partnership here with Major League Baseball is, I believe every Friday night, they will host double headers on Apple TV. And here's the kicker. These games are exclusively streaming on Apple TV. Now, what I don't know is does apple tv just get do they are they going to have their own broadcast crew their own production crew or are they gonna you know take sny's crew kind of like what Pix does and use them they just get the exclusive streaming on apple tv you wouldn't be able to watch it on cable tv i don't know any of the answers to that and i think that's a huge variable in how people will feel about this because let's be real a lot of people uh love watching their favorite team on their network with their announcers and with their production crew, and as Mets fans, we are beyond spoiled of the the production that we get from s m y from the the broadcast crew to the actual games besides all of that, this to me comes off as a little tone deaf baseball is on this. They say they're on this mission. We have seen no evidence that they truly are executing it to get as many people as possible to watch the game and love the game and be a fan of the game by signing an exclusive streaming deal with a provider that this might be like a bias. I don't consider Apple TV like an like when Thursday Night Football goes to Amazon. Not a single person complains because everybody uses Amazon Prime at this point in our life. It is so common that it's like you shrug your shoulders and go, "Okay, I load it up on Amazon." I actually kind of like it, but this to me is missing the point. I do I currently have Apple TV. I mean, my girlfriend does, so that means I do. But would I personally like? You have to pick and choose. You're not going to pay for eighty different streaming services. I'm not going to lie, Joe, like I don't it's a an, an, a little obnoxious, like it's a Friday night. Scherzer's on the mound. It's a big game. And you check your whatever sports app you use. If you're listening to this, hopefully use the Bleacher Report app. You check that the Mets are on. Oh, Apple TV. Like not everybody has Apple TV. And I, I do not. So see, because it's yeah. honestly. Not really that popular. I'm going to be honest with you, like. And this is coming from someone. This is probably my worst take on the entire pod. I watched one episode of Ted Lasso, and I was like, eh, not really great. And I know that I'll get crucified for that take. <laughs> but that's why people have Apple TV is for a Ted Lasso. So for me, I was like, nah. So I know this is like whiny and complainy, but I personally find this out of touch and a little annoying. It's all about yeah. money. That's the world
2: yeah the world's about money um obviously big picture my worry and it's not just baseball this is a kind of a life discussion uh we could go there like at what point are it, like where are we just gonna have to have every streaming we're service?
0: there dude we're there yeah
2: yeah like if i want to watch football i need to have this if i want to watch baseball i have to have this like i watch wrestling so i have to have peacock like that kind of stuff like at what point will it stop? But as far as like this specific one, like you said, there's a lot of details we need to figure out. Um, my hunch would be, they would have their own broadcast crews kind of like, remember they did that, tr- that kind of trial with Facebook only games. Oh yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. That didn't, that and didn't YouTube. exactly goes and YouTube. That's right. So like they had separate broadcast it booths for so. that. So I would, I would, I would assume it would be, you know, separate booths. Um, I think it's, you know, The thing that I, I'll say this, the thing that sounds cool about it, not the Friday night doubleheaders like that, that doesn't do much for me. But did you also see the secondary part of this? No, actually, I have the Forbes article open right now. I believe it's going to be called big inning or something like that. It's essentially going to be like red zone for baseball during the week. That's cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. So like during the week, you know, Mets are off on a Monday. If you have Apple TV which you and you wonder, like, how many how much how many subscribers are they going to get from just, you know, Friday night baseball? Like, are they going to are they going to get a ton? I don't I don't know. Like, frankly, I don't even know if I'm going to want to get it, even if the Mets are on it. I might just be like, eh, I guess I'm not watching the Mets on Friday. And it's also Friday. Like, honestly, yeah. the only time I miss Mets games
0: typically are on Friday nights. You know, right. people got to eat. There's always some you know, BS you got to go to. So it's, it also helps that you're like, yeah, I don't know how badly I need this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my perspective. Like I, I probably won't get it um, unless I have a very good reason to, but we're talking about, I, I think the red zone idea is cool. I think that's something that had that part of the market hasn't been broached yet. And I think it's, it is a good thing for the long term that we're getting there. Cause I mean, let's be honest. Can you imagine watching NFL football without red zone anymore?
0: It's unheard of almost at this point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, my mom's a football fan. My mom just watches red zone all day. Yeah. I get it. Every Sunday. Yeah. She doesn't watch full games anymore. Um, I, you know, will watch a full Cowboys game, but if the Cowboys aren't on, I'm watching red zone. I'm not watching, you know, jets, Patriots or giants commanders or whatever. Like I'm just watching, I'm just watching red zone. So I think the idea of a red zone type thing is awesome. I'm just, I'm a little tweaked for me personally. I don't feel like getting another streaming service.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it's just become, you know, honestly, taking the time to figure all of it out has become annoying. Like if there's, there's certain, now there's certain, like I'm obviously a big Rangers fan. There's certain hockey games on, you know, ESPN plus then there. It, there's obviously football is one that you're like, okay, I don't mind. I'll pay for any of this, but that's, it's different. It's a sport that traditionally the fans of the game want to watch every single game where I've said this before in this pod. I'm a diehard Mets fan. I try really not to miss any games. I don't know if I consider myself a baseball fan, any like a baseball fan, the way I consider myself, obviously a football fan or, you know, it's also part of my job, but without fantasy baseball, I would not be in in touch with the entire league as much. Like, that's the only reason that I'm in touch with the league is because I've been in a longtime fantasy baseball league with friends all over the country that I absolutely love it. But, like, am I going to sit down and watch a random West Coast game? 99 times out of 100, no. I just don't care. So this, to me, I think probably sounded like a better idea than they realized, and instead for most people it's just an inconvenience.
2: Right, exactly. It comes off more as an inconvenience cuz baseball fans are much more regional than anything else. Like we talked about football, like you said, you're more likely to watch a, a a Monday night football game or a Sunday night football game regardless of who's in it. But yeah, you you definitely see it a little a little different because baseball fans are just so regional.
0: I think that's it. So there, that was a long one, and I knew we'd have a li- really good combo on that because we, we always talk a lot about media and broadcast and everything in general, but it's, it's kind of went under the radar because there's no baseball right now, but trust me, when it, um, when it hits, that Friday hits, I'm going to see a lot of angry Mets fans on my timeline. That much I know.
1: No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to indeed.com slash to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It goes without saying that we are all missing travel right now. But you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals, flights, and more. And when you save more, you can do more. More, wow, this view is incredible. More, mmm, another round of room service, please. More, yes, I'm extending my vacation. Sorry, boss, if you're listening, just ignore that last part. Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, check out Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more. Wow. Mmm. And yes, just to name a few. Make sure to download the Priceline app for even more savings.
0: All right, from an insane Mets fan, it's a perfect transition. With Chase the Lauder's injury, is there a higher chance he'd fall to the Mets if he is
2: out for a substantial amount of time? So they're saying he's day-to-day. So what happened to Chase DeLauder? Kind of a uh, a double whammy. He got hit in the head by a pitch. He was okay. You know, Jesus he's, Christ. He got hit in the head, helmet, whatever, and went down the first, was fine, stayed in the game, everything was fine. And then the next inning, he was chasing a fly ball and he ran into the wall and then he exited the game. So he kind of had a double whammy, but the coach at James Madison is saying he's probably day-to-day. So I don't envision a, a long term injury here. But the, the reason I selected his question was kind of the idea of him falling to the Mets. So that's unrelated to the injury. Um, I think Chase DeLauter is, for me, this year's Kamar Rocker, that no one thinks he'll be available. And I think there's a chance he will. Um, kind of my reasoning. Obviously, he's a fantastic hitter. He is playing at James Madison. Um, so smaller school, lesser competition. He should be you know, beating the heck out of these these pitchers. Uh, he had the opening weekend, which I don't want to overstate, but he faced two lefties from Florida State, uh, Hubbard and Messick, that are both going to go in, let's just call it the top three or four rounds. And he basically got completely dominated by those guys for a weekend. So I don't want to overreact to it, but that's going to be something that people remember as James Madison will only here and there face serious, uh, high level competition. And frankly, when you talk to scouts throughout the game, there are questions about his swing mechanics, not just the swing, but he has, if you just look up, chase the Lauder on YouTube, even, you know, anyone could see it. You don't have to be a scout to see it. He like picks up and drags his back foot when he's swing. Like you typically want that as like kind of your base and he doesn't do that. Granted, Does he not lose power. He is a tank. I mean, he's six, I think six two, six three, two hundred and thirty pounds, something like that. Like he's a big boy. Like he just he can muscle the ball out of the park. Um, The thing is, you're going to find a team that's willing to accept that because I think it's much more likely that you would damage him by trying to change that than it is figuring out how you're going to make it work. You know, kind of within what he does more naturally. Uh, So that's going to scare some teams off. Cause when you're talking about picking the top 10, it's nitpicking. Like all these guys are great. Chase is a fantastic baseball player. And he's going to go in the top 10 to 15 picks for sure. I would bet, you know, barring something crazy. And, but when you're talking about, do I take chase De or do I take chase young? Mm, chase young has a little bit of a cleaner swing. He's going to play like, you know, he's going to be a third base. Like, there's different things that give you a little more comfort. So I think the questions surrounding DeLauder are going to be less injury related, more, more swing related. And I don't know how he answers those questions. And it's just a matter of what team is willing to take that risk. And, you know, from a, from a general profile standpoint, Chase DeLauder fits what the Mets look for. So if he's there, you know, hope you know, it may be something that they consider doing, but, that swing is gonna definitely freak some people out. So DeLauder, like you know, we could be talking in a few months, and Chase DeLauder goes number three overall, or he goes number fourteen overall. Like his his range of draft position is uh pretty vast because there's gonna he's he's gonna be a divisive prospect in this class.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a lot going on there, and I think the Mets obviously have to be as careful as they can it's almost impossible in baseball but the whole injury aspect they just they can't afford to have you know guys not even just the unsigned thing but come in and not be able to play there's just so much there for them i'm talking about earlier picks as well so that it's going to be something to monitor how they operate this draft strategy uh, because of what they've dealt with in recent drafts obviously last year was the most notable but All right. The last question for today's show is from Johnny, who said, do you think contact pitchers like Marcus Stroman will be hurt if the MLB does indeed ban the shift? Could Steve Cohen have considered this possibility before the lockout, knowing it was a topic that would be brought up? That second part is fascinating to me. Now, to answer the first part quite swiftly, absolutely. I mean, ground ball pitcher. Let's be real. If you're with a team, and most teams are like this now, that is, and the Mets are so shift-heavy, factoring in trends of the ground ball and using their analytics department to do so, that is essentially creating you outs that wouldn't have existed before the shift. And when you are one of the, you have one of the highest ground ball rates in baseball, like Marcus Stroman typically has, that matters that means that you will be losing out there's a lot of math that would need to go into this and obviously i am not the person that is doing this (laughs) um but just knowing basic stats and analytics and trends the fact is if the shift is banned which we all think it's going to be for 2023 correct me if i'm wrong joe when you when you jump in here that is going to take away outs from ground ball pitchers and that is marcus strowman which means that that could significantly affect his overall impact and, and um, create problems for him as he ages.
2: So you I don't typically do this, but the simplistic answer is yes. The kind of nuanced answer is I don't know, right? What degree? That's the question. Wh- what What does ban the shift mean? Are they drawing circles in the dirt where you have to stand. Um is it you can only have four in the dirt, three in the grass. Is it you have to have two infielders on each side of second base? Like when you when you say ban the shift, you kind of need a little more details what that means. Like if it's just you know four in the dirt, three in the grass, you could, you know, shade your infielders, they just have to stay in the infield dirt. And you know, then Marcus stroman in theory would still be, you know, equally as valuable um as far as do i think steve cohen considered this possibility i think they want to move on from marcus but this Stroman wasn't for, the reason <laughs> uh, yeah the, i don't i don't think this had a, really anything to do with it it's a good thought but i don't think it, it really mattered um as far as whether the shift will be banned i it sounds as if from the talks that that's inevitable um but i hate to kind of give like a bit of a wishy-washy answer but i don't know what ban the shift means because i think everyone just assumes that it means no one can play other than where they're supposed to exactly stand. And it might be a little more complex than that. So I think that's a, that's a bit of a wait and see answer. Uh, But you know, the, like I said, the simplistic answer is obviously if you can't position guys, you know, in the perfect world, ideally where from an analytical standpoint, you want them to be, then yes, naturally that will negatively impact, you know, a ground ball pitcher like Stroman or, David Peterson's a ground ball pitcher, you know, going at a lower level, like there's a lot of ground ball pitchers that would obviously be impacted
0: that's a a great point, Joe. That opens up a whole nother door of a conversation is what does ban the shift mean? I don't think we've been given detail on that. My interpretation in my own head is you cannot have more than two players on each side of the infields, right? Second base is your mm-hmm. divider i would I would assume that you can never bring an extra guy over, which is huge, right? Think about how many yeah. pull hitters we see the second baseman in the outfield, the shortstop at second base, the first baseman playing it. Obviously that is so Ban The shift to me is you could, if you're a second baseman or a shortstop, you could stand wherever the hell you want on your side of the field, but you can't bring an extra man over and, and correct me if I'm wrong. That's significant, isn't it?
2: Oh, that would be huge. If you know, Francisco Lindor had to stay on the left side of second base and Jeff McNeil had to stay on the right side of second base and there was no flexibility. Uh, that would obviously that would be crazy significant. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't want to ban the shift at all. Like I think let them do what they want to do. Play play them wherever the hell you want. That that would be like it's not exactly the same, but it's almost like in the NFL, if you said that's not right, you're double covering Cooper Cup. Not fair. Can't do that. You can only single cover Cooper cup. Like it feels like it, it is a strategy and, you know, as time goes on, we are seeing more and more strategy being taken out of the game. And from my perspective and granted, I am not a professional hitter in the least like you take me to a batting cage. I don't even know if I'm hitting 70 mile an hour pitches. So like, I surely can't uh, relate, but to me, it feels like, You're a professional baseball player. You get paid millions of dollars. You have coaches that get paid a lot of money in, you know, in the offseason, your private coaches, and then in season, your, you know, team coaches, like just find a way to beat the shift. If they put guys, find a way to beat it. Like, I know it's, that's sort of, you know, a simplistic way of looking at it, but I I don't want to ban it. Like if they want to do that, make them pay for doing it. And you just don't see enough of that. You just see. I'm just going to hit it over them or whatever. And then they just ground right into it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a conversation that I think we'll be having for quite some time. Um, Don't know what it means. If like you said, I think what your gut feeling is, is kind of the same as what my gut is. Um, But we have to find out what, what exactly it means. And yeah, I think it's definitely a conversation that we'll be having over the next year.
0: Yeah, it's 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 truly fascinating, and I think it's all right. Let's end with this. I think it's great for the game banning the shift. Do you agree? Hmm.
2: No. Okay, I, so you're I you're
0: Mister you're Mister Beat the find a way to beat the shift.
2: Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, I I mean, never look. gonna happen, dude.
2: Yeah. How many well,
0: years have we seen it? They can't they can't freaking do it. Four years,
2: five. They can't years? Can't do it. Well, fig- I, I say figure it out. Like, are are, are we really saying that? All right. Well, they can't figure it out, so what we have to do is change the rules so we make the game easier for them. That's 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 the direction that baseball wants to go. I think they it it this is
0: the equivalent of the NFL taking away the ability of DBs being able to play. They want more points. You right. can't cover anymore. It's just a it's a such an easy way without making a ton of noise. Although this will be a hot topic. Uh, nobody will, nobody else sit there and go, man, remember the shift? That wouldn't have been a hit. Nobody cares. Nobody right. cares. They want the offense. That's the NFL did it. They got it and they won. People love betting the over. They're over fiends. They're crackheads with the over
2: yeah. baseball. <laughs> no, that needs, is. True. They need balls in play. They're sick ama- They're sick of it. Imagine in football, if they banned double covering Cooper cup, like imagine that wasn't allowed. Like you, you weren't allowed to, you couldn't shade a safety to Cooper cup. You had no choice, but to put Bryce Hall on Cooper really cup funny. one-on-one. Like that's, that to me is a little closer. Like it's, it's obviously not apples to apples, but that's a little closer because now you're talking about positioning people. Right. So like, imagine football is just like Cooper cups outside to the right. You are not allowed to have a safety over the top. You could only have, you can only have Bryce Hall covering them one-on-one.
0: Like, dude, I, I get it. but yeah. like, I get it, but they got to find a way and they're just nothing's what because dude, the problem with juicing the ball is that you just have this strikeout or home run league. Yes. So they have to find a middle ground and right. this is the best they can do. And I I have to be on board
2: with it because I just I'm well, I, I understand the ine- inevitability of it, but. It doesn't mean I have to fully agree with sure. it. And, and I appreciate and, that about yeah. you. And like I said, we need to see what it is too. Cause it could very easily be for like, if, if I told you that they announced tomorrow that, you know, the shift would be added 2023 and the rules are, you just need four in the infield and three in the outfield. You can't put people like, would that shock you if that was the result? And if that, and if that's the result, then you can play an extra guy on the right side of the infield. He just has to stay in the dirt.
0: That's not banning the
2: shift. That's still shifting. Well, if you realize, if you also think with the shift, the advantage of the shift is that Jeff McNeil is standing 30 feet into the outfield. Like what it's like when you take, when you bring the infield in late in games, there's a guy on third one out, you bring the infield in, you, you cover less ground. So it's not quite, it's not quite the same thing, right? Where you're covering less ground. If you hit the ball hard, it's going to get through these guys. Just because there's not there's not enough time to react, because you're all within the same infield, you're not standing out in right like in the shift. Jeff McNeil's thr- like basically every time you quote unquote hit into the shift, you're hitting a ground ball into shallow right field, and they're throwing you out from the outfield. Would that change if you took everyone and put them in the dirt?
0: Maybe. I think they're looking for drastic changes, dude. I just, I think
2: yeah. they, I. Th- and I don't think it, I don't think it's good for the game. I think it's what they want to do and ultimately whatever they do, I have no choice but to live with it, Watch right? baseball, like, man. Yeah, I'm going to watch it is what it is. But, but. you're the, dude, you're the
0: perfect example. You are somebody that doesn't like this. No. But one week into the season, you I'll will never think of, yeah. ah, well Back in my day, Jeff McNeil would have been a right field. That wouldn't have been a hit. I mean, And you know what? I kind of yeah. want you to make this a bit. Like, I want you to tweet, like, like you know how everybody head. goes, like, uh, you know, like, people do this. There's so many good trolls online. They're like, win a real ring. They'll, like, say yeah. that about, like, Pat yeah. Mahomes. Just the most ridiculous oh, yeah. things. Yeah. Like, you, you would literally say, hit a, get a real base hit. Like, that's not yeah. a real hit.
2: Yeah. When, whoever wins the batting title, I want to know how many times he would have grounded out into the shift when he just pokes a grounder through the hole that now is there because hitters are crying that baseball's too hard for them while they make millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I,
0: there's a Look, lot to I, unpack here. This was our I, best combo yeah. on the pod. I think in yeah. literally weeks.
2: Yeah. It's about, it, it was, about
0: baseball. Yeah. About baseball. For sure. Not, it's not better than the gym class conversation, but it's Never, directly yeah. about baseball. This is, this is the best we've had in a while. And it was so organic because I didn't even know we were, there's nothing on the rundown about yeah. the shift. We just got yeah. our way into it.
2: Right. Yeah. No, I think it's a good conversation. You know, I want to have more of these. And it's one of those things that's just like, you know, we we don't have the answer, but I think it's an interesting topic. And I see both sides too. I'm not so like, you know, if they ban the shift, I'm going to lose my mind. It's just like, do we have to do it? or, Or we're just doing it to make people happy. Like you have Joey Gallo crying that how am I supposed to get a hit when you shift and you put four guys in on the right side of the field? Like, when you hear pe- like, people like that, those are the people that kind of bother me. It's the Joey Gals who are literally crying that, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, who doesn't You're make- hit anyway. He hits a home run or yeah. strikes out, You're- so it doesn't matter. You're making over $10 million a year, Joey. Why don't you freaking figure out a way to not hit the ball where the guys are? Like, that's the object of the game, is to hit the ball hard and hit it where people aren't. <laughs> that I mean- is the... That's the ultimate goal of baseball. <laughs> I
0: agree with like it's truly perplexing that you know the guys that get shifted to the point of they have a free base hit down one of the lines. Obviously, the third baseline is usually the freebie. Why won't anyone bunt ever? Spend that's the thing. Yeah, spend an hour a day your entire off season pushing bunts down the third baseline. Yeah. An well, hour a day, your entire offseason, you might you'll do one of two things, and they're both phenomenal. For your long-term earnings, you will either get an extra 20 hits that year that are free or people will stop shifting you like that. So that's the one that I that annoys me. But this goes back like I I was not somebody that was banned the shift. I just give up, Joe. I give up. They're never going to do it. They just want to be stubborn about it. So this is it's the same thing as. Corners can't do anything to wide receivers anymore. They can't yep. breathe on them. They just throw the flag because they want offense. And yep. I wave the white flag. I have, yep. I have no solutions because they don't want to give an inch.
2: The shift will be banned regardless of my opinion on it. But until that is official and that happens, I will stand here and I will say, don't ban the shift. It's unnecessary to ban it You're or ban it. You're just doing it. it. Like you said, they're doing it for offense and offense sells. I understand that. But I just get bothered by the players that are complaining about it. And it's just like, come on, man. Like You're crying that there's too many people standing on the right side of the field. Like, that's that's a bit much. But ultimately, it's going to happen, whether we like it or not. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what ban the shift means. I guess that kind of brings us back to, you know, the the top of the question, essentially, where it's just like, does the shift, you know, affect ground ball pitchers? You know, depending on the structure, it will. And if it's what your and my gut feelings are, then it's going to have a drastic difference for sure.
0: Yeah, it will. But I will say this. It will not. I don't think it'll fix games being too long, which is kind of funny in all of this. Then that's going to be the next problem.
2: Well, anyway, you have a pitch clock that they want to. And like, you know, maybe I'll save it for next week, but I don't think games are too long. I don't care. Like I like. For the generally- I know, but
0: you're in the minority. Yeah. I know,
2: but that's, that's the issue. That's where I live. That's where I, I live. I know, it's okay. But, that's why you have this yeah.
0: podcast to break yeah. down these
2: issues. And, and do, do they really think if they shave 15 minutes off a game that magically they're just going to get a bunch of new people to watch baseball?
0: I mean, you're asking the wrong person because <laughs> I, I will sit on the couch from about 15 minutes before first pitch, and if the Mets win, I will watch the post game. Uh, if they don't, I angrily shut my TV off. I do not care if it's five hours. Yeah. Because I just sit on the couch. I would, if I wasn't doing that, especially during draft season, it's amazing. I can get a ton of work done on the couch while baseball's on. So I I agree. You have people that like us and everybody (laughs) listening to the show that they watch as much as they can. And then you have people that just don't like baseball. So I don't, I I I agree with you that catering to People that really don't like baseball really might not make a difference at all, but they're hell bent on finding out.
2: Right. Yeah. And and look, it, I'm not opposed to the game being shorter, but I don't like I don't care. You don't care. Most of the people who probably listen to this, don't truly care. And the difference that they're gonna make, you know, 15 minutes. Like that that's kind of what we're talking here. Like they're not doing something that's gonna make a a three-hour game, an hour and a half. They're talking about it's gonna be three hours instead of three hours and two minutes, it's gonna be two hours and 49 minutes. And uh, what's, I don't know what that's doing, but uh, yeah, there, those are some of the things that, you know, we can go on for days about all the, you know, on field rule changes with the pitch clock, with the shift. Um, you know, I, one thing I don't have an opinion on is bigger basis. I don't have an opinion. I have I don't nothing care. to say about that. Yeah, I have nothing to say. But the bases when have you ever be...
0: watched baseball and said, wow, I really wish the bases
2: were bigger? What what if you ever watched baseball and commented on the size of the base, period? Never mind. Like, yeah, like whatever. I don't care. But I think the shift and the pitch clock is going to be a, a divisive topic.
0: I, I just want to name this show. Are they turning baseball into mat ball and see how many people click on the, the lead?
2: The legend of Matt Ball, which I'll, a few people responded saying that they knew Matt Ball as oh, Matt Ball, and that was great. I, I yeah, that's what it's called.
0: I no doubt. I have but, one other thing to add, yeah. and now I'm I'm scrambling here okay. about, about all of this. Oh, my one final take is I don't really care about the length of the games. I would love if they started at 645 instead yes. of like 708.
2: Makes a that honestly would make a big difference, I think. If you move it, even if it's like you know, 630, 645, sure. something like that, shave off, like realistically, if the, and people go, well, what about the people that work? Well, let's be honest. If you're going to a baseball game during the week at night, you're probably arranging to get out of work in order to make it on time. Uh, yeah. That's, that's part of the factor. Like most people aren't going to every game, you know, they're season ticket holders, obviously, but even them, they're probably not going to 81 games. Uh, for the most part, people, like, even for me, like, I go to a good amount of games, but every game is, like, specifically planned out that I'm going to. So, you know, I'm I'm going to make it work. If I'm going to go to a Wednesday night game against the Dodgers, then if it's at whatever time it is, like, I'm going to make sure that I'm out of work in time to get there. Like, that's, like, I think you you can... The people can figure that out. I think the earlier start would be great. Get the game over a little earlier. um, So that way, you know, kids can watch the entire game because if you're having if you're having a three hour game that starts after seven o'clock, you're putting your kids to sleep by 10 o'clock so they could get up for, you know, they could get up in the morning. So, yeah, it's definitely I agree with you 100 percent on earlier start times. They need to just sit you and
0: I in a boardroom and just ask us like what needs to be done for baseball, and it's so
2: simple. But here we are um, making the bases the, bigger. Then they'll ask us, should we ban the shift? And then you'll just be like, and we "Dude," I, and they'll just like, you're like, "Dude, I quit. Just ban the shift." And yeah. I'll just be like, "No, don't yep. you do it." And they'll go, "Wait, this. We just wanted you to give us the answers. Yes, we didn't <laughs> want the debate over the answer. Yeah.
0: All right." Uh, <laughs> Episode eighty four. No one has wore eighty four for the Mets. Somebody has worn eighty five, so we'll be back with that next week. Joe, what's your closing thoughts for today?
2: Closing thoughts for today. I don't expect the deal to happen. Uh, well, with that, with that closing thoughts. With that said, um, I hope that this is an outdated episode. Like when you listen on Wednesday, I hope that they strike a deal. But the I wanted to drop the latest from Evan drelick who is the CBA god. He said it's wait and see mode. MLB and the MLBPA have spoken by phone since their last in-person meeting. Reporters are still gathered. There's at least the possibility it is a late night. But as everyone will remember, a long night doesn't mean they are or will be over the humps. So that was at 5.35 p.m. So that was 20 minutes ago or so. So it seems like we could be in for a long night. And I am typically not, against, not for our podcast being outdated, but I would fully accept an outdated podcast if they could do a CBA 2 night.
0: I mean if they get it done, you and I will we'll go live at yeah, true. the beginning of the week. Yeah. So uh, maybe not in the moment because I currently have no life. I know you are busy as well, but at some point this week shortly after it happens, we will be on the YouTube channel. So yeah, outdate outdate the hell out of this podcast. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much everybody. Let us know your thoughts. Ban the shift, make the bases bigger, shorten the game, early start times. You name it, you got it. Episode 84. We'll catch you next week.
1: Please walk Sparky for me? No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. <laughs> ba da ba ba ba. Offer valid through 4322 or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required.